from legendary locals we all know to people you should get to know. Follow Ipswich Today on your favourite app and never miss an episode or go to ipswichtoday.com.au. Coming up, Teresa Harding wants a second term as Mayor of Ipswich. In this episode, the unanticipated events in this term and, if re-elected, commitments for the next four years. It's Sunday, February 25, 2024, and I'm Alan Roebuck. Welcome to Ipswich Today, which acknowledges the traditional custodians of the land on which it is produced and pays respects to elders past, present and emerging. This podcast is supported by Kinetics, people-powered web hosting trusted by Australian businesses since 1999. Thanks for speaking with Ipswich today, Teresa Harding. Oh, thank you, Alan, and thank you to all the listeners. In 2020, you were elected the first female mayor of Ipswich. There were several tumultuous periods in that four years, and some of the most public were on show during council meetings. In hindsight, is there anything you would have done differently? Oh, that's a that, that is a good question. Um, four years ago, I I promised a fresh start, and as our, we came out of administration, and basically the darkest days our council's ever seen, with the um, with all sorts of uh, with corruption and um, and the dodgy deals all came out public. So I guess in moving forward, um, I think. I've been very proud of what we've done as a council. We've achieved a lot. We've got a lot of road projects that have been sitting on the back burner for a long time. We've secured funding for projects like the North East Reserve that hasn't received funding for, for decades. So um, I guess it's just been very difficult with COVID and, and just as a new council coming out of administration. Excluding COVID, how would you describe that period? What was the most unexpected thing to happen during the four years? Um, I think having two dismissed councillors coming in, that's had a, a huge impact on the culture of uh, the council itself, as well as a huge impact on the council organisation. But probably more importantly, um, it's just in the community um, and also with the in attracting investment. Um, I get told time and time again when I'm outside of Ipswich trying to look for investment for business to come here and set up their businesses here, that while we have dismissed councillors on our council, they won't look at Ipswich. So it's been, a, I guess, a, a real um, spanner in the works. But Alan, I think it's really important that we respect democracy. Um, they were voted in and I've always treated all the councils with respect um, and respected the position that they're in. There have been some good news stories, though. The uh, uh, Frucor Suntory factory is something mm. rather massive. Uh, that opens uh, later this year, doesn't it? It is, and we've been very fortunate. Um, the state government contributed and supported um, um, Suntory coming up here as well, and it's a, a really great organisation, and they are, um, they're hiring now if people are looking for a job there. <laughs> okay, let's, let's move on to your campaign proper. And looking at your campaign website, you've committed to four main issues. Let's examine those. Firstly, reducing the cost of living pressures. Local government's got limited options. What can a council do? My vision is for a sustainable growth in Ipswich. We have, we are the fastest growing city in Queensland. Um, so we need to look at what those challenges are, what are those opportunities, and how do we get the best out of that. So, my platform and my vision of a sustainable growth for Ipswich has um, a six-point plan, and one of those is the cost of living and affordability. Uh, the other is a fair share for Ipswich. Uh, also looking at environmental protections. How do we uh, support our thriving communities, as well as promote economic development, and jobs growth, and also continue the transparency and good governance that we've had the last four years. But what can a council do to directly minimise the hip pocket pain? Yeah, um, 
Certainly, um, this council over the last five budgets, four of them have the rate rise has been below inflation, and we've also brought in part pension concessions. And in the 2022-2023 budget, uh, the Courier Mail did an analysis of all the rates of Southeast Queensland, and Ipswich came out first for the best value rates. But looking going forward, um, for me as, as part of my campaign, I'm committing to ten free tip vouchers per year from 2027. Our Riverview and Rosewood tips are completely full and, and over capacity. We get about 1,200 cars going to Riverview on Saturday alone. So we're in the process of designing and we'll be building two more resource recovery centres. And when that one at um, New Chancellor Redbank Plains is built in 2026-2027, we'll use a similar system that Brisbane City Council has, and that's 10 free chip vouchers a year. The other thing I promise is 10 free uh, family pool vouchers per year. Um, all our pools are you know, um, managed by uh, a private contractor by providing 10 free family pool vouchers for each household. That basically means every family can get to uh, the pool for free uh, for those 10 hot weekends over summer. And the other thing I'm going to be doing is making a claim to the state government for $8 million as an ex-gratia payment. Um, um, if such residents have had to spend over $8 million on legal fees and other fees over the last four years to fight non-compliant waste companies, this is a unique position for our council. No other council in Queensland is, is having to go through this. Uh, we are receiving 42% of the state's waste into privately owned landfill. And so it's quite a, an, an unfair and unique burden on the people of Ipswich. So I'll be claiming that $8 million from the state government. And I give a commitment that I'll be consistent when it comes to our budget, when it comes to rates, fees and charges. I'd also like to, um, we are, there is a real cost of living pressures at the moment and um, I'd like for council to do uh, a website which lists free and low cost activities, not only just for council, but what's happening in our community and businesses so people can know what's out and about um, as well. Can I pick you up on a couple of those things you've just mm. raised? Firstly, that $8 million, how realistic mm. is it that the state government's going to cough up $8 million? Well, can I be, be be frank? We just recently, the, the state coughed up um, $2 million to assist us with FOGO. You know, um, we're in, a, in litigation with, with Newgrow at the moment and the state have come to the party to, to support us in, in moving forward with how our FOGO will be done in the future. So, look, the state, I've chatted with the Environment Minister, the, the Shadow Environment Minister, the Director General of the Department, and, um, look, I think we pushed pretty hard. It's, it's a lot of money for us in council, but it's really a drop in the bucket for the state government and I think it's a it's a very fair thing to do and we do have a state election coming up in October so I think it'd be um, quite timely for us to to ask for I think a very fair reimbursement. Just going back to the tip vouchers they've been ruled out for years successive councils have said no 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 and, and one of the reasons that was floated years ago was that Brisbane City Council residents were forging and counterfeiting vouchers to give to friends uh, how can that be overcome I, I get that Riverview's been hammered so why wait until 2027 to do the tip vouchers yeah at the moment the Riverview and Rosewood are well over capacity we have real traffic management problems there we can't uh, from a workplace health and safety uh, at the moment introduce a scheme which will increase traffic that would be you know negligent of us especially if there's an accident and so on so that's why in 2021 uh, this council adopted a new resource recovery strategy and as part of that we said that we would investigate tip vouchers in moving forward so it's something that we have discussed you would have seen that the last election two councils also committed to it so i, I certainly can't speak for a future council but i know that myself and a number of other councils are really very keen for the tip vouchers to come into place once this new resource recovery centre opens up and can t handle the traffic. 
Going back to your campaign website, those uh, items I mentioned at the start, you also highlight expanding the road and transport network. Uh, major roads like the Cunningham and Warrigo and the, a lot of state roads within Ipswich, their state and federal responsibilities. What specifically are you talking about when you want to expand the road and transport network? Yes, certainly we had a, a real a vision here in, in council of accepting the responsibilities. We really very much looked at our budget and made sure we, we cut out things we didn't need to do. So, for instance, we've maintained the decision by the interim administrator to not have divisional council offices. That was costing over $8 million per term. So that million dollars goes straight towards our capital program, which delivers better roads and curb and channelling. So becoming a more efficient organisation means we can do those major road projects like the Redback Plains Road upgrade, uh, the Springfield um, Parkway, the Springfield Greenback Arterial uh, Duplication Project. Um, so there have been some really large road projects. The Burrellan Station Road was you know, upgraded from gravel to a sealed road. Um, you know, we've upgraded two timber bridges to concrete bridges. Um, you know, and at Figuna to Adelong Avenue has been waiting for over a decade for rehabilitation. So that culvert's being rehabilitated and the road is being upgraded at the moment. So there are things in our local roads. From a state and federal perspective, councils only receive 3% of all taxation collected in Australia. So uh, we do rely on the state and the federal government's um, to, to pay their fair share. Uh, they do receive 97% of the, the taxes, but it's also incumbent on us as a council to work closely with the state and the feds to make sure that they know what our priorities, priorities are as well. You say you want to deliver more for our suburbs. What do you have in mind here? Um, look, a, a few things. One is grassroots sports. We have had an underinvestment when it comes to grassroots sports. Um, and we know that Ipswich City Council spends more per resident per capita than any other council in South East Queensland. So we really need to turn to being quite strategic and leveraging opportunities. We know at the moment, for instance, um, USQ and Bremer State High uh, have a bid for some funding to, to build a synthetic athletics track. So certainly as a council, if that happens, we would allocate some money towards that in the future, to, you know, to improve the facilities there. Um, I'm proposing that we do an Ipswich sports development proposal, which will allow us to, um, you know, get to, back to the grassroots sports so we can deliver for residents as well. Um, I guess another thing, suburban, um, is just a greener community, a greener community program. Um, I'd love to see a sub suburban uh, beautification project. We have a lot of beautiful um, established suburbs which don't have really um, attractive entryways. So certainly um, suburbs like Camira, Collingwood Park, Bouval, Brassel, Goodna, Leichhardt, North Ipswich, One Mile, Racefield, Riverview and Rosewood. I'd love to see native flowering plants at the entrance of those suburbs. Um, it's a really lovely welcome to, to our area. Your social media tells us you've been darting all over the city. What issues are residents raising with you one-on-one? One-on-one -on -one is cost of living. Um, people are saying they're having, and I guess not, not unusual in January, after Christmas people are really struggling, but after Christmas, um, school, but people are just very worried about how they're going to pay their rent, um, how they're going to pay their mortgage. They're very worried about um, interest rate rises. But also, um, uh, yesterday I was with Milton Dick all day um, doing a parliament and schools program, and one of the things that one of the high school kids brought up was shrinkflation. So it's costing more for goods, and the packet is smaller. So it, how we how do we manage that? So certainly the cost of living is the number one thing that people are raising with me. Feedback on the CBD redevelopment. It's coming to the end of the 10 to 15 year time frame initially outlined in 2009. Is it still an issue with the majority of voters? 
No, you. I, if you look at social media on, on certain areas, um, I've got to say the people that are, what people come up to me, they want the CBD. They want a CBD that they can be proud of. They want one that they can enjoy. They want to come in on the weekend or after hours and have fun. Um, people, I guess the, the main uh, um, criticism I would get is um, people wanted it uh, more leasing by now. And so I do explain the situation with, with COVID and obviously with the um, construction taking longer than expected because, you know, the buildings had mould and other things and also the, the supply chain issues. But look, people really want a CBD that they love and be proud of. Um, and I've got to, can I, if I can just say, Alan, that um, this new council has taken on a massive, massive project. Uh, we walked into a council with $329 million in, in debt a decrepit CBD, no asset management plan uh, to fix our road networks, and quite frankly, a, a workforce that was quite battered and bruised. So um, there's been in-depth investigations on that, and the Windage Report goes into that. But this council has spent has, hasn't wasted any time in gripping that up. We have a wonderful CBD. We have, um, you know, Hoyts will be opening up in September. So will the Commonwealth Hotel. We've got four new leases that are very close to being signed. And as can be seen in council papers, one of those is quite a large tenancy underneath the cinema. So it's quite exciting. I can't wait for that to be announced. So, you know, we're making huge progress considering it sat there for 10 years and, and nothing was done. What we have done in the last four years um, has been absolutely fantastic. And I think the people who sit really want to, can't wait to see it fully tenanted. And, and it's now an income producing asset for our city. There's been a lot of chatter about people not knowing who their local councillors are. What's your take on it? When I go out door knocking, I, people don't know who Shane Newman is. And I think, hang on, he's been around for 17 years and, and he advertises and he's very active in the community. So, I mean, I guess it's up to each person. I think with the Queensland Times um, not printing a, a daily paper anymore has had a, a really good, big impact. People often tell me that they don't know what's happening in our city. They don't know what's happening in the community. So I think not having a QT has really had an impact there. And um, I think too, there was the previous council, as we know from the Windage Report, spent a lot of money uh, of ratepayers' money promoting themselves and doing a lot of electioneering. That has been stopped. As you'll see, we don't spend ratepayers' money promoting ourselves or anything like that. So the state, the federal uh, politicians are allowed to use um, taxpayers' money for billboards and other advertising. We can't as councils and we're following those rules. Councillors, though, are really responsible for promoting themselves, aren't they, and not relying 100% on, on council media releases uh, or, or other mm. promotional material. How have you found uh, getting around the city, because you've got to cover the whole city, are you finding people who don't know who you are? Oh, absolutely. Uh, there's 253,000 people, uh, uh, Alan, and over 80,000 homes. So, um, you know, as part of my election campaign, and even last time I'm doing direct mail to every single house, I have five billboards, I've advertised in every um, newspaper, every radio, and there'll be people on polling day who will say, I don't know who you are, I've never heard of you, you've never contacted me. So all, all I can do is try my hardest, but if I'm sending direct mail to your home and, and you don't receive it, I mean, I, that's the best I can do. But, well, that's part of democracy um, and, and that's what happens. You raised councillor offices in the suburbs uh, a little while ago. Prior to 2004 there might have been one in Rosewood. Apart from Brisbane I don't think any council in Queensland has dedicated individual offices for councillors. You can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, yeah. Administrator Greg Chimelo closed them down to save money. What is your current view? I, I think you've touched on the possibility of some meeting rooms in libraries but I thought that had already happened. 
No other council in Queensland has divisional offices, only Brisbane City Council. And one of the changes made under administration is for all our libraries to have what's called a Council Connect, so they can do all the services that you can do at 1 Nicholas Street, um, except for lodge a DA. So whether you want to pay for pet registration, uh, something to do with the libraries, um, or pay a fee or apply for something, that can all be done at every single library. Uh, what I'd like to see uh, moving forward is as we build new libraries, we do know going forward um, in Springfield Central, for instance, we've grown out of that library there and we do spend uh, a fair whack of money on the lease there. But where the playground is currently um, at Springfield Orion um, is actually council land. So that would be slated for a future library there. We do know we probably have to build a should be building a library in Ripley. And we do know that um, we need to build a, a larger community centre in Rosewood. So I'd love to see that we have uh, an additional office area there that can be used by councils, but also um, by the community as well while we're building those facilities. Teresa Harding, let's talk about a couple of more specific issues. The Norman Street Bridge. It was nine years ago that council made a big push including a dedicated website, which has since been shut down. You pushed for funding yourself in 2022. Why is it that successive councils have been unable to secure funding for such an important piece of infrastructure? It, I think it's the cost. Um, it's probably the, the number one thing because it is going to be a, a 200 or $300 million uh, bridge. Um, it is something that we do need. Our city time, you know, timed out of that bridge in 2015. It is costing over... $30 million a year in productivity. Um, certainly when I ran federally in 2016, I remember chatting with the CEO then asking for the business case so I could see if I could get some money from the feds. And he told me then it was just a pretty picture. I actually thought he was just having me on. But when I came into council, I found out that he wasn't, he was actually telling the truth. It was just a pretty picture. So it was a matter of gripping up uh, a business case. And in 2022, we actually were successful for Infrastructure Australia to accept it as a national priority project. So it's actually sitting there as a national priority project. And we're looking for the, an extra $4 million to do the final business case. So we actually know, is, is it a $150 million bridge? Is it a $300 million bridge? What is it? Where is it? Um, will there be resumptions? Where will they be? So we can have that discussion with our community. Here's something I've uh, written about in a, in a recent edition of Local Ipswich News, and that's the need for the city to have a dedicated high-capacity performing arts centre. Uh, I think Ipswich has been hard done by. Similar and smaller cities across the state have fit-for-purpose venues. Even Mount Isa has a bigger capacity theatre than the Ipswich Civic Centre. I'm not, I'm not slamming the Civic Centre. It has its purpose and a need. We haven't heard much from anybody, the current council included, about the push for a dedicated IPAC. Um, Alan, I think every regional city in Queensland has a better performing arts centre than what we have in Ipswich from Cairns to Rockhampton to Mackay. To how, do, how, do how do we fix that? How do we fix that? The proposal that was there, and I think there was a, a pretty specky model that was done up, uh, would cost over $200 million. And you'll note that in Brisbane, they've done a, a QPAC, have done a, a huge upgrade uh, there. Um, there just seems to be no appetite from the state or the feds for any money there. So we worked on, especially with the um, showgrounds building their convention exhibition centre, if that happens, um, that'll be a, a facility that can hold, you know, a few hundred people for dinner, whether it's three, four, five hundred people for dinner. Because at the moment, the Civic Centre, I think, is the only place in Ipswich that can seat about 300 people 
for dinner. But if we have a, another facility in Ipswich that can do that, we can actually turn the Civic Centre into a, a performing arts centre, as well as take over the car park there on Limestone Street and build a, a black box theatre there that can seat about 200 people, so it's much cheaper to run events there as well. And look, I think that'll get us through the next 20 or 30 years. Um, I would love to have a performing arts centre, but I also have to be pragmatic and in the face of not getting any money, what is the, the compromise and what can we do and what can, how, how do we get more out of what we've got? The same can be said for the need for a major sports stadium in Ipswich, in Ipswich Central. North Ipswich Reserve is the logical choice for an upgrade. Again, much has been promised, but no action on the ground. Yeah, certainly the North Ipswich Sport Entertainment Precinct has been talked about for a long, long time and it's a great rectangular facility and it will be not just for uh, rugby league, uh, it'll be also for soccer, it'll also be a great entertainment venue for, for music acts, uh, we know we could have um, motocross there as well, So, and I think going into the into the future of the Olympics as well and the Paralympics would be, be great there. Again, the stadium um, plans there were about $250 million, there has been zero appetite um, Alan from the state or the feds for that. Stadiums are a state government responsibility. Um, I worked very closely with, with Shane in the election of the federal election and he brought Senator Don Farrell out and um, he ended up committing $20 million towards an upgrade. So we've modified the, the plans. Actually, that's out, out to tender at the moment, Alan, um, and people can see it there. But what we'll do there with that, 10, that $20 million is upgrade the lighting there to an international standard, so in broadcast standard uh, lighting. And a bit like the Brighton Homes Arena, we'll build, a, I guess, a staged approach to the stadium. So we'll have a, a, a part of the stadium, like we have a Brighton Homes Arena, which will have a broadcast suite and change rooms underneath. And as we get money, um, we can continue to add to that. Uh, let's look at your signature election promise in 2020. That was the council website, known under the somewhat clunky name of Transparency and Integrity Hub. Now, this details expenditure by councillors, tenders and the like. Has it met your expectations? Has it delivered the transparency um, that this community deserves? Absolutely. We are still the only council in Australia where the councils publish their expenses by transaction. I know of no other jurisdiction, other state or federal or council that does that. We have all our um, contracts uh, that are over $10,000 or more published there under local government. You only have to do that if it's uh, 200,000 or more. We've gone into the, the history of programs. I guess the only thing that I'm missing is the fact that I did promise a full forensic audit of the books. I obviously called for that at council. I was unsuccessful in getting that up and I also wrote to the Auditor General and that was unsuccessful, which I think is a, a real pity, but it, it is what it is. That's democracy, Alan, and you move on. But now people can see where the grant money's going, where their money's going, and it also tracks um, the budget each year as well against actuals. So um, it's been really, really well received, but not just the Transparency Hub, Alan, it's also the fact that we live stream our meetings. We also have a committee structure, so uh, residents do get to see committee papers a week before the committee meeting, and then we have our ordinary council meeting two weeks later where we made the make the final decision. So it gives us that opportunity to have that discussion with residents or residents don't like a recommendation. It, it allows us to have those really good conversations with residents about what they'd like to see in their community. There's been the odd criticism that the current form of the hub is a little too difficult to navigate. Now, you come from a data background, so it might be really easy uh, for yourself, but for, for people who are strangers to those sorts of websites, uh, if re-elected, would you push for a review of its functionality? 
I'm more than happy to do that. There are some tutorials on there. Um, actually, it's one thing I did suggest in the very beginning is to hold some workshops up at Fire Station 101 and do it to do that. But with COVID, we never did. So thank you for the reminder. I think that's a terrific idea, Alan. And finally, Teresa Harding, should you be re-elected on March 16, what is the one single thing or issue you would like to see implemented or improved? I think, Alan... Um, just to continue to be available and transparent to the people of Ipswich, to continue to be an honest and hard worker. And I'd love to see um, that our community are involved more in decision-making. That would be one thing that I'd really love to see more of. Teresa Harding, we'll leave it there. Thanks so much for speaking with Ipswich today. Thank you, Alan. And that's it for this episode. Don't forget to look for handy links in the show notes. Ipswich Today is supported by Kinetics, people-powered web hosting trusted by Australian businesses since 1999. This podcast is listener-supported. Please make a once-only gift or regular donation to help keep it online. Just go to ipswichtoday.com.au. Follow and stream this podcast from your favourite app, including iHeartRadio, or play Ipswich Today on smart speakers. Music is supplied by Purple Planet Music. This is Alan Roebuck. Thank you for listening. Enjoying Ipswich today? Please share the love on your socials.